What's up, people? I'm your host, Jay Will, and this is Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Welcome to episode 189, Faith, Finances, Martial Arts, and Music, with my guest today, Elliot Shaw. Elliot's going to be jumping on in a minute. He's a licensed financial professional, a martial artist, an entrepreneur. Uh, he believes in faith over fear. Uh, you can definitely check him out on Instagram at Elliot Shaw Official. We'll talk more with him. We're going to learn about his background growing up. We're going to have to try to get some money tips from him, right? Y'all know that I really believe strongly in financial literacy on this show. And we are definitely, as Christians, always trying to challenge ourselves um, to have balance when it relates to money and understand that financial literacy is a positive thing. It is not something that we should be afraid of. We shouldn't be afraid of money. And I think that happens a lot of times for Christians because we really lean on the one aspect of, you know, um, the love of money is the root of all evil. Everyone knows that, you know, but not too many people quote all of the other scriptures in the Bible that tell us to be good stewards of our finances and, you know, to have discipline, um, to really believe in delayed gratification and those type of things. So I want to get Elliot's perspective on that. We're going to figure out like, you know, we're going to learn a little bit about martial arts today. You know what I mean? My uh, martial arts capabilities go as far as a Bruce Lee movie, um, but I definitely love to like fake a stance or whatever. Uh, Elliot's, uh, you know, pretty impressive with his martial arts. So we'll learn about that. And uh, my man is a drummer. Like he can, he can actually play too. Like I've checked it out. Y'all know, you know what I'm saying? I come from a music family. My brothers are drummers, uh, but Elliot is legit. So look, if that sounds interesting to you, please check us out. Um, sit back, relax, enjoy the inspiration, share it, like it, comment, whatever. Tell somebody else about it. But we're going to have an amazing time today. I promise you. If we don't, you know, just act like we're having a good time. All right. Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you said. When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read. You felt it deep in your soul. The promise did not expire. Be inspired. I can see beyond the tears you cry. And the pain you feel. I saw every hill you had to climb. Just to make it here. When you say you ain't afraid to die. Is it fake or fear? God's people. We are back with Elliot Shaw. Elliot, what's up, man? How you feeling? Jay, well, I'm feeling great. That was a fresh opening uh, song right there. That was tight. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, bro. You definitely got to check out my music then, Jay Wheel Music. For anybody out there who doesn't know, I have a catalog of about 75 songs hanging out there on Apple Podcasts and things over the past 10 years. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you find something you like in there. But uh, today is about you, Elliot. Um, you... Look, you're an intriguing guy to me because I'll tell you why. I'm always intrigued by people who have the capability or capacity to be involved deeply in multiple things. Like, so meaning like, you know, look, I know sometimes people can make an argument that it's better to be a master, what they say, um, a master, don't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. But like, I do find it impressively intriguing when people are able to be really good at multiple things or really passionate about multiple things. And you definitely have uh, some layers that I want to unpack as it relates to, you know, faith and finances and music and martial arts. Before we jump into that, though, I want to learn a little bit about Elliot, who you are. Can you just kick it with us and tell us, you know, who were you, you know, whether it be high school, college, that age, uh, what your reputation was? Um, you know, and, and, and kind of what the background of your childhood was like, um, whatever you want to share about that, um, uh, will kind of help us before we jump into the rest of the interview. Absolutely. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, this is absolutely a blessing to be here with you, Jay Well, and to be able to share my story and connect with your audience. So thank you. So a yes, little, little bit about my background, um, uh, from New Jersey, uh, Jay Will and I were talking a little bit before, you know, typical Jersey boy got that personality to say what I say, what I feel, say what I mean, no matter what, whether that creates some heat or not, you know, it is what it is. That's um, all good. <laughs> so for me, I grew up uh, 
in a family that was really, really loving. My, my parents gave a lot to me and my sister. They sacrificed a lot. They didn't have a lot to give. I always like to tell people that I grew up in a wealthy town, but not in the wealthy family. But we were wealthy with love and we were wealthy with God, which was, a, which was big for me growing up. I grew up in the church. I grew up with um, a father who really uh, loved to, to talk with me about wisdom and the Bible, religion, talk about philosophy, just talk about all these things with me and made me very inquisitive as a child. And growing up, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of a, an outcast. I was kind of a black sheep. Uh, I wasn't one of the popular kids in school. Uh, I got bullied a lot. I got made fun of. I was actually, I was a little bit shorter growing up and, um, you know, it caused a lot of pain for me. I I didn't have, I I felt like I didn't fit in, but as I started to get older, uh, I kind of, I took that and and made it like a chip on my shoulder. And, um, and my dad was actually a big part of that. You'll probably hear a lot about my dad in this. Um, I love it. And, um, he, he always like helped me take that and turn it into a mentality of, okay, you got to go out there and outwork everyone. You got to prove everyone wrong. And um, I took that mentality into starting to lift weights when I was 13 with my dad. He brought me into the gym, was like, you're going to start lifting weights. You're going to be a monster on the field. You're going to start playing sports. You're going to get big and strong like everyone else. Uh, he's like, he pushed me into playing drums. Uh, he, you know, my parents were both musicians. So I grew up in a musical family as well. And and he just pushed me to, to work harder than everyone else and, and to be a man, to go up to people, shake them, shake their hand, look them in the eyes, make sure that I was known by people. And luckily for me, I grew uh, to about six foot two by the end of high school and uh, filled out my body pretty nicely, played multiple sports, became you know a multi-sport athlete, went to college for baseball, playing music. Uh, but I kept that same mentality of working hard. And something that you mentioned before about you know, how you can be a master of none and a jack of all trades. I've always felt like, you know, God made us in his image and with the ability to do anything that we truly do set our mind to. So why not do multiple things and and master them? Who says you can't do that? With enough time, with enough discipline, with enough focused effort towards anything, you can, you can become a master at anything. So why not just find the time in each day to focus on different things? If that may be, um, you know, a hobby like music, an instrument, if it's a sport, whatever it may be, you know, dedicate time to it and, and stay disciplined, block out the distractions, stay focused. So, so for me, this to kind of continue in my story from going from college on, I kind of left the church at that time. And and I'm not going to lie. I want to get a little deep here. I, I kind of walked away from God and, and I went out just to kind of see what was out there. And, and I didn't really know what I believed. I kind of believed in all different things at the time. Um, and yep. And, but I, I always had a relationship with God. You know, I never stopped talking to God. I never stopped praying to God. And just a couple of years ago, uh, in 2020, I went through a really tough breakup. You know, a lot of people had, uh, a lot of tough things happened to them in 2020, whether it was losing people, you know, losing relationships, you know, a lot of hardship, obviously. And for me, uh, I got out of a relationship of multiple years and I was kind of, as people like to say, codependent, where I had my identity wrapped up in this other person. Uh, I saw my whole future in them and it felt like I was dying with that relationship ending. Hmm. And it actually, it got me to the point where I was, I was feeling like thoughts of suicide, just to be honest with you, you know, with all the uncertainty in the world, everything going on that was so crazy and, and feeling like my whole life was ending. I was asking myself, like, you know, would anyone really miss me if I was gone? Like what would happen if I wasn't here? And I went on this walk one night, it was, it was July in 2020. I went on a walk around the neighborhood and I was just crying, thinking about the ways I was going to end my life. And I stopped yeah, it was, it was a low point. And I stopped on a street corner and I, I looked up and I said, God, am I meant to be here? And literally that moment, it started raining on my face. Wow. <laughs> wow. And sent chills through my body. Jesus. And I knew that I knew obviously that meant something. And I, I took that as an answer. Yes, you're meant to be here. Amen. And, yeah. 
And I started, uh, that actually started leading me into martial arts, which we can get into a little bit later. Um, but that led me back towards, towards God. And, and, and I started talking to God more and more. Uh, and then really the moment that led me into being a licensed financial professional, which is something I had no background in before, um, is last year or 2021, actually, it's a new year now. I was running my own personal training business and I was just killing it, you know, doing really well. When all the gyms were shut down, I actually had invested in all my own equipment. So I started training people in homes. So when all the gyms were closed and everyone had nowhere to go, I had the goods. I had the kettlebells and dumbbells and everything. So I was doing, I was doing great. And I thought it was never going to end. And then I got COVID out of nowhere and it put me in bed for literally a month in bed, barely moved, didn't eat. I had all the symptoms you could have. I had them and I lost 35 pounds. I would like, I would just fall asleep. I'd wake up every half hour in like a pool of sweat. I didn't even realize I could sweat that much. And it got to the point where, you know how, like when you have a flu, you know, maybe you, you might wake up and the first thing you you don't really feel good, but then as the day goes on, you feel a little bit better. And then it was nonstop. The worst I ever felt in my entire life, 24, seven, never ending. Wow. For a month. And, um, and this is, this is actually what drove me back to God and drove me into my profession now is that a lot of people, they think that they find God in these high moments where these, these miracles happen, where everything's going well. It's like, Oh, God is great. But sometimes it's suffering. Sometimes it's struggle. And that's what actually drives you to God because you realize that's when you need him. And in those moments, laying in my bed, just staring up, just praying to God every night, God, please give me good health and give me a chance to change my life. Because while all this was going on, my bills didn't stop. Money was still going out. You know, people were still saying, hey, you got to pay us. So I was laying in bed helpless, watching my bank account just go down, down. I had to start maxing out my credit cards to pay my bills. I had to start selling stocks and selling cryptocurrencies just to be able to pay off my credit cards. And I asked God, please give me a chance to change my life financially. And I want to be able to help others with their money. And I want to work on a team of people that are empowering, positive, that are are here to make a difference. I knew I'm here for something more. And I, I just prayed to God every single night for those two things, good health, chance to change my life financially, help others. And when I finally recovered from COVID, uh, my senior broker, who's actually my mentor in this business, found me on Instagram, reached out to me, gave me the opportunity to do what I do right now. And I remember reading his message, uh, it just tears pouring down my face, realizing this is my prayer answered. And I just dove in and never looked back. I love it. I love it. You you said a bunch of cool stuff, man. Um, so so a um, I love you know the the line about uh, growing up in the wealthy neighborhood, but not with the wealthy family. And you talked about how you guys had um, had love, and I love the admiration for for your father and how that is such a huge part of of who you are. You you talked about even those conversations that he would have with you and the scripture comes to mind, you know, a scripture most people know, right. Where you talk about train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. And although you had those experiences in time, like most of us do where you lose um, sight of, of the role that God is supposed to play in your life. I do truly believe when you have a parent that set the foundation, the way that your father seemed to have do um, that, that it does it it is when you have a strong foundation it's hard to leave that forever right you can have temporary periods but it's hard to leave that forever and then the rain man that's that's heavy you know to to be at a, a a stage where you're asking god and i think you know if we being real so many people find themselves in 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 that same type of a moment of asking god like what is my purpose? Should I be here? And if I'm being honest, that's why this podcast is about balancing faith in business 
to guide you to your purpose because the goal is really to show people out there that you do have a purpose, but it just might not be something that you thought it was. And, you know, you, you talked about, you know, having COVID and then finding yourself getting a message from your mentor um, that led you into the finance, uh, the finance perspective uh, profession. But did you ever think that you would be in finance like before that moment or how did that go? Like at what point were you like, okay, finance is it for me. That, that is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's a great question. So I never uh, particularly thought I would be in finance that field, but I was definitely interested in, in money and growing money, investing. I was doing a lot of research on my own, looking what are the best options to become wealthy? What are wealthy people doing? Um, so when I got the opportunity, it just seemed like, yeah, this is something I can now learn about. I can become a professional and help others do like This is a no brainer. So what, Elliot, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what do you, how do you help people? Who are your um, kind of um, ideal clients? Um, I've obviously seen a lot of your Instagram videos and I want to unpack some of those, but just give the audience an idea of like, hey, what you do exactly uh, professionally in the finance world. Yeah. So the company I work with, we focus on helping pretty much everyone, especially the people that haven't gotten the financial knowledge that the wealthy have. Because just to be honest, you know, no, no hate towards the traditional industry, but they're pretty much focused on the wealthy. And the, the biggest families that we see that have been billionaires for generation after generation, the reason they create that generational wealth and keep it, it's not just because they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth every generation, it's because they're passing on the principles and the knowledge to their children. So we're taking it on us to go out there and educate families on financial literacy and giving them the tools and the same resources that the wealthy have so that they can become financially independent, free, and become wealthy themselves and pass it on to the next generation. And, and with that said, I, I want to talk a little bit. I'm, I'm really, I was really excited to talk about this with you because financial literacy, right, like is such an important thing. And you said it like the really wealthy families and, and individuals in the world are into passing on wealth. And I think so many times with us, we kind of get caught up into like just making money, like without any real purpose. But I, I wanted to ask you, like, why do you think people struggle with financial literacy? Because in my opinion, it, I, I, you know, I'll leave it there. I'll let you answer it and then I'll maybe share some added you know, opinion after that. But why do you think people struggle with that just generally um, understanding money? Yeah, well, I'd definitely love to hear your perspective too. So a couple reasons why I think people struggle with financial literacy is number one, we're just not taught it. We're, we're, we don't learn anything in school about money. I don't think I've really sat down with anyone of the hundreds and hundreds of people this past year that I've been doing this where they had some type of financial education before meeting with me. It's very, very rare. So we're really just not given that education to begin with. And number two, our society as a whole just seems to push a lot of YOLO style living. And, you know, for lack of a better term, like hedonism, where you're just kind of living for your pleasures and today and you're not preparing for tomorrow. So, you know, people struggle with money because they're not thinking about the future and becoming wealthy. You have to think long term. I love that. Um, and I agree with that. So like that, that first part about like the fact that it's just not taught, the curriculum isn't there. You know, for me, you know, just being transparent. I mean, I graduated college 16 years ago now. And when I graduated college, I'm like, here I am with a business marketing degree, but I couldn't tell you necessarily anything about, you know, certificates of deposits or, you know, what's the difference between where should I sit my money? Because a traditional savings account doesn't um, really garner any real interest in how do I invest? Those are all things, if I'm being honest, that I taught myself over the past 10 to 11 years, just on my own um, and, you know, using Google and not literally just on my own, but, you know, taking advantage of resources and, and individuals out there. So I think that's the first part. I do agree. Like the education, the curriculum 
You know, it's literacy. It should be a part of what we're learning. But then there's a second yeah. part for me, Elliot, where I kind of feel like people don't really want to learn because they're lazy. And so I see a lot of people that talk about money and stuff. And just to give you a little idea, I, I was born and raised in Detroit on the east side. Like, you know, I'm I was surrounded by poverty. Um, and I'll just say from a mindset perspective, you know, there's still a lot of people, even in middle class, that like they have a poverty mindset. So to me, Elliot, I'm like, how do we get people to want to better themselves? And I'm just curious with you, as you're talking to people up about money, do you tend to find that your clients or just people you come across are hungry and thirsty to genuinely learn? Or do you come across a lot of people who are looking for a get rich quick scheme and idea and, you know, just want to be a millionaire overnight? Because I think financial literacy is about the process of actually learning how money works and is much different than most people people emotionally think. Yeah, good points. Excellent points all around there. Well, what I found is it kind of depends on the person you're sitting down with on what they're looking to do. You know, if, if you're sitting down with, just to be honest, like an early 20s guy who's, you know, single, you know, he's looking to get rich quick. He's not really thinking about, you know, building a, a fortune for, you know, long term sustainably for a family, anything like that. He, he's, he's not really thinking like that. It's, it's either he's making a million dollars today or he doesn't want to hear about it. Uh, but when you sit down with people that are families, maybe they're a little bit older, uh, they have people that depend on them, they have more stable careers, you know, they're, they're a lot more focused on, on the education, learning about it and really doing what, what it takes to become financially independent. And, and I, I'd love to add this in. You just kind of made me think about this about like, you know, what is it really going to take to get people to, to want to learn financial literacy and become good stewards of their money? Uh, I think it's reading this right here. I think it's, it's diving into the word and, and reading what's in there. All right. So, all right. I love that. Cause I completely agree, which leads me to something else I want to ask you about. You have a, you had a video on Instagram that um, kind of sparked this thought and this question it was like, why do people? Why do you think people perceive money as evil and poor as righteousness? Mm. This is a, a big topic of discussion. So I think the the perception that people have is that money is evil because what they see is they see they see these big wealthy elites that that basically seem to control the world and can like dictate anything. And they, they, the, the rules, the laws don't apply to them. And it seems like they're greedy. They think that, that if, if they became wealthy, they had to have done it by, you know, stealing from the poor, knocking the poor down. And that's the only way to get there. And when you really dive into it, of course that exists. Like there are people that have done that, but you find that a lot of wealthy people, I would say the overwhelming majority of wealthy people did that and stay there because they did it the right way. And they're some of the most generous giving people you will ever find. And being poor is righteous. You know, there, there are things in, in the Bible that might confuse you when it says that, I think Jesus says, uh, for a, it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. And it doesn't mean a rich man can't get into heaven. It's, it's just showing you the responsibility that's on you, that when you have wealth, there's a lot expected from you. So, you know, being poor, being righteous, I don't think that's necessarily true. And, and the way that I like to put it to people is if you were to take yourself right now and clone yourself and that clone of you is exactly the same as you, where it's, they have the same thoughts, the same heart, the same intentions, everything about them, what they want to do is exactly the same, but you're broke and you give them $10 million. Who's going to do no, more good in the world? <laughs> the one with the 10 million. It's the Absolutely. same person. Same intentions that I love that example, because that is when I when I read the word. Right. Because I want to address like you, you pointed out something super dope, which is if you really want to learn the value of money, you have to read the word. And for me, the Bible in and of itself is about balance. You have the Old Testament, the New Testament. There are some groups of people who can form a whole new religion because they only read the Old Testament, right? And 
if you if you take just half of it, then you can end up somewhere that God did not intend for you to be. And then there are people who build a whole different religion or denomination off of like two scriptures in the New Testament, and they don't consider the the whole. What I what I found, Elliot, when I really back in about 2014 develop a love for reading the word and reading in general was when I really read the Bible and allowed it to allow God to speak to me versus me reading it with some intention or agenda already at hand. I found things like the parable of the talents mm -hmm. where the individual with one talent was actually the evil one. And, and those are the things <laughs> for me that we have to understand the balance of scripture. Like you said, Yes, there are responsibilities that comes with being wealthy to whom much is given, much is required. And so there may be more on you to think about doing the right thing, which may lead to it being easier for you to do evil because of access alone. But that doesn't mean that the person who dug the hole and hid their talent is godly. And that's the one thing I could tell you coming from poverty um, being around people who are still trapped mentally in poverty, that's probably one of the number one tricks of the enemy to me is to not allow the freedom of your mind to even obtain wealth, like to be trapped mentally, to think that you are doing the better thing by doing nothing. It's just a very dangerous place to be to me. Um. You talk a little bit about something I believe is called the 72 rule. Like what, what I want to do now, like we we talked a little bit just about the value and actually learning about finances. And I always try to at least pull out one thing in an interview that if a person listens to 45 minutes to an hour of us talking, that they could say, I took one thing from this interview that was practical, that was tangible, that I literally could use for my life. So the 72 rule. Can you tell us what that is? I wasn't even aware of this until I watched your Instagram video. So maybe like I'm hoping that someone out there might learn something. And again, financial literacy is about the process. It's not about being a millionaire overnight. And this is one of those things that when you start learning things like this, your life can change when you continue to develop. So 72 rule, what, what you got for us, Elliot? Well, before I even tell you about the rule of 72, I have to shout out my girlfriend, Monica, because she's been running my social media recently. She's been filming all these videos for me, editing, putting it all out there, all the effects. And she's honestly the brains behind, you know, everything I'm doing right now. And to have her in my life is, it's a blessing from God, you know, and she's, there's, there's not enough. I can't, I can't stop saying enough about her. She's just absolutely incredible. And I can't even mention this without mentioning her first. So shout just out, to get Monica. That out there. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. So the rule of 72, we had a lot of fun making this video too. Uh, she was laughing while we were making this. <laughs> we're talking about how, you know, when you, when you open up your savings account statement and you've seen that it's grown by a couple pennies and it's like, Oh, congratulations. You know, now you made two cents. And and I was asking people, you know, how long is it going to take you to grow a dollar, <laughs> just one dollar? So the rule of 72 is an equation to figure out how long it's going to take for your money to double wherever you're keeping it. So the way that you find that out is you take 72 and you divide it by the interest rate that you're getting where your money is. So for instance, let's say you're getting 10% interest just to keep it real simple. So you would take 72 divided by 10, that equals 7.2. That means it would take 7.2 years for your money to double in that location. So if you had a million dollars, you got 10% interest, 7.2 years later, you have $2 million. Now, uh, I was talking about in the video, I can kind of dive a little bit deeper here, is that when they do studies on people that invest in the stock market long-term, just based off of investor habits, the way that people buy and sell, because typically people buy and sell based off of fear. So when the market starts dropping, people freak out and they sell. So they sell when it's low. And then when the market starts going back up, they panic and they have FOMO, so they buy. So people are buying high, selling low. So they're not getting the typical average rates of returns that people are saying the stock market does. So it might say the, the S&P 500 returns 8 or 9% over the last 30 years or so. 
but people are getting about three, maybe 4% because of how they're buying and selling. So if you say someone's getting 3%, if you divide 72 by three, that's 26. That means it takes 26 years for your money to double. That's almost two generations. Man. And then on top of that, uh, this is just the kind of to, to add a little humor here. And also it's just sad. You know, the typical savings account, you're getting on average like 0.01% interest. It's embarrassing. That's going to take you like, what, a thousand years to double your money if you divide 72 by 0.01? <laughs> and that's, that's the, I think the reason I like that, that information is because that's what's at stake. Part of financial literacy is really learning how money works because when you think about, and, and look, I know some people out there is like, uh, back in school, like, I'm never going to use this math. I, I hate to put it to you. Money is numbers. Like, it, it is math. So, like, it is important for us to understand interest rates and percentages, both in what our rate of return is, whether it be an investment or an account, but also in the interest that we're paying. So many mm -hmm. people, for instance, I think the number one area I've seen this in my life and the people around me get impacted is buying cars. Because a car generally speaking, isn't a good investment. Also, although the last couple of years, you could have made some money selling cars. So again, that's that's one of the things with financial literacy is understanding timing. You talked about it with when do I buy? When do I sell? Not, you know, buying at the top of the roller coaster and selling at the bottom of the drop. You want to do that in reverse. And so it is important for us to understand because I see people with cars, Elliot, go out, buy a car, which is generally or typically not a good investment have a very high interest rate on a car that they didn't research. The car has high maintenance. It is not, it does not hold its value. Even with, you know, even though cars aren't good um, investments, you can still maybe find a good car. There's so much research you could do. But my point is most people with cars, and I don't have any data. This is just my opinion. The average person is upside down in a car loan by the time they're like four years, three to four years into it. And it's because we don't understand these numbers. So thank you for the rule of 72. Y'all Google that or rewind it. This Go back and watch the replay. I just think that's super value, uh, valuable. Or check out Elliot on his Instagram page. All right. So there's a couple, there's a couple things I want to jump into before uh, we get you out of here, Elliot. And look, man, you into martial arts. And I'm like... I kind of have an idea because I, again, I, I checked out your, your Instagram and I think it's an interesting, um, some of at least what I saw on a post was very interesting what led you into martial arts. But can you just share a little bit about the background of like, you know, how you got into it? Um, and then, you know, maybe just talk about what it means to you at this point now that you are into it. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of starts about 12 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago. I didn't actually start doing martial arts that long ago, but uh, an event in my life led me down the path that eventually caused me to start training martial arts. So I was jumped and it was a very traumatic experience. I was jumped by multiple people. I was jumped from behind. I had my face smashed essentially. Um, my head hit the concrete below me. It was unprovoked and it was very, <laughs> it changed my life. And luckily one of my friends who was a trained mixed martial artist there with me was able to defend the people off from doing any further damage to me while I was unconscious on the ground. And what that did for me was it just, it was a moment in my life where I felt so vulnerable and so helpless. I'd always thought at that point in my early twenties, like, Oh, I'm, you know, big, strong athlete. I can defend myself. And then all of a sudden I was just in one punch, just knocked unconscious, almost had uh, brain damage when I went to the, the brain doctor the next week. And I just realized, wow, like I, I need to be more aware of my surroundings. And it really got me interested in, I started studying, on the side, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And there was something about it that just got, it just intrigued me. And I wanted to train. And I had a couple times, a couple moments in the last 10, 10 or so years where I had opportunities to, to train, but it just didn't happen. 
but then in 2020, right after that, that moment with the rain that I was uh, telling you about, it was the same month. I was introduced to, to one of my good friends, one of my brothers, RJ, who is a high level brown belt in jujitsu. We were introduced at a, at a get together and he, he mentioned that he trained jujitsu. And I just, I felt in that moment, wait, this is, this is, uh, this is the person. Like I knew that, uh, yeah. God, I asked God, am I supposed to be here? And I, I just felt that God was going to start leading me down paths that I'm meant to go. And I told RJ that day, Hey, I'd like to train jujitsu with you. Do you do one-on-ones? And he said, yeah, I do. And he also said, you know, a lot of people have told me they want to train, but no one actually follows through. So we'll see. And I was persistent with him. I stayed on him and I was like, listen, I, I'm serious. Can we start training? And he eventually realized how serious I was about it. And he said, yeah, let's do it. Started training one-on-one with him. Absolutely fell in love with the art. The fact that uh, you can learn how to use your body <laughs> to defend yourself while also attacking someone else, but you can subdue them without causing a lot of damage. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And the fact that I was able to start training martial arts at 31 years old, no prior experience of any kind, dove into jujitsu, started training at a gym. Uh, I'm now a blue belt. I've competed three times and this is not to brag. I don't like bragging, but just no, this is- we need, this is, this is, I was <laughs> interested. I've watched the videos you're doing workouts. I can only dream about doing. So I, I definitely <laughs> want to, yeah, like feel free to share, man. Well, this is more, I just want to uh, say, this isn't bragging. This is more to share to others that if there's something that you're looking to do and you think you're too old or you don't have enough experience or you couldn't do that, get that thought out of your mind. You can literally do anything that you really want to do. And I started at 31, no prior experience. And now in three competitions, training jujitsu, I've won two gold medals, three silver medals, uh, you know, on a fast track that I can become a black belt maybe in the next 10 years. It's something I, I didn't even do until my 30s. So is that how long it takes to become a black belt? Like what, what's the average? Cause you said in the next 10 years and you're already blue. So like, what is the average time it takes to become a black belt? The average time that's hard to say, maybe 15 years. Okay. That's heavy. Like uh, the reason, I, the reason that stood out to me, right. Is because let's be real. That's the first thing. It's the only thing we know because of movies and stuff. So you think, you know, martial arts, like, oh, you are you a black belt? That's like literally just walking around asking people, are they billionaires? Like, no, I'm yeah. not a black belt. There's a, <laughs> a bunch of other dope stuff you can be before you get to the black belt. But I never knew like the time. And the reason I'm asking this or that it stood out is we talked about financial literacy. And I kind of have this this kind of idea. I did a I did a show. um, you know, with a co-host that comes on Latoya early, we did a show a few months ago and it was called the 10 year marathon. And we talked a lot about like, if God leaves you, leads you down a path, don't give up until you've put in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, again, we want stuff to happen overnight. So we want to be black belt. So just to know that like to be a black belt, it must be like it. I'm sure. I mean, it is such a high degree of difficulty or, um, a, a lot of effort that has to go into it that has to be proven. I just think we can use that in a lot of areas of life. So that's that's real cool. Um, you definitely, like I said, um, you do workouts that I'm like, man, like, okay, I wish I could do that. Can you? Get, all right, Elliot, this is a super left field, man. But you got to give me like a. Can you give me like just one stance? Like, is it is jujitsu about the stances or no? Like, just an arm movement to let me know it's real. Like, what you got? <laughs> Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is a little bit different, man. I mean, it's, it's not body. like karate. It's body. Okay, I got you. You got to grab. I don't want to. I don't need no moves because in jiu-jitsu, you got to like grab and. Okay, yeah, we don't need that. You, you're trying to break <laughs> some bones or something here. Um, uh, all right, all right. Let me let me ask you this. Um, because I definitely before I let you go, want to just talk briefly about music. You you talked about how you're from a music family. I'm from a music family. I actually played drums from fourth to eighth grade. The awesome. only reason I didn't play in high school is super embarrassing is because I went to the band room. I found out where it was. Again, I had played from fourth to eighth grade in the school bands, played snare, played trios on toms and um, went to high school. 
and probably what other band members love about the band, it was the uniform. And I wasn't feeling it. And I saw the uniform. I was like, bro, I'm not putting that hat on. Like, and I just, I literally saw them and I walked away and I never played. But I'm curious, where did you get a love for drums? Because I checked out some of your drum videos and you're, I'm, I was surprised just to be honest. A lot of people say they play drums. They're not that good. You are actually a good drummer. So tell us a little bit about music and what that means to your life. Well, thank you. And uh, I can't say that if uh, if I had the same uh, opportunity, I probably would have made the decision, the same decision as you, Jay Will. So I don't blame okay. you. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> so for me, you know, growing up in a musical family, my my parents, the way they met in college in New Jersey is that my dad had a band. My dad played music from when he was a little kid. And my mom's a singer. And he asked my mom to be the singer for his band. So they had a wedding band together. Uh, eventually got married, had me and my my sister. They had a wedding band and then they had a wedding band. Okay. I just had to throw that in there. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So me and my sister were, we were raised surrounded by music. My parents brought us to concerts everywhere. So I, I initially got started singing in the choir in church. My mom was the cantor for our church. And then I started playing saxophone in fourth and fifth grade. I was in the choir again in middle school. Then in high school, that's actually when I started playing drums and the way that I actually got into it is uh, I was watching a Yankees game with my dad and my grandpa. And that song, you know, I, I kept yeah. clapping. I was clapping to that. I was like 13 years old. And my grandpa is looking at me and he looks at my dad and he's like, he's got some rhythm. Maybe he could play the drums. And my dad was like, yeah, maybe he could. So brought me to a store. I sat down on an electric kit. I started playing. The guy asked my dad, wow, how long has your, uh, your son been playing? He's like, this is the first time. And he was wow. like, you need to, he was like, you need to get your son some drums right now. So started playing, started a, a band when I was 14. I actually have the same band today. We're called Flounder. We've been together for almost 20 years. Wow. Uh, yep. And um, yeah, it's, uh, just being able to play drums with my parents in their band. We had like a family band, me, my sister, my parents playing at all different weddings and church events. And music's just a huge part of my life. So I love it. That's real cool. And and it sounds like it's a family occasion. So it brings y'all together. Like I said, I'm a part of a music family. My brother uh Jarrell goes by J Rail Hits. He's actually a drummer uh that goes around in the city of Detroit and he plays in front of different murals. So he actually plays outside almost every day, like literally one wow. of the most dedicated people. Um, it's called Vibes Around Detroit. Um, when he does that and he also has a band as well but um yeah he he he's a dope drummer my brother Darius um is um started as a drummer uh but is now um a worship singer leader travels doing music Darius James um puts out really dope content as well um so yeah check them out I'll send you some stuff on IG before I get you out of here I got one question for you yes sir and that is what inspires you? If you were, um, you are obviously a person that has, we talked about having a lot of interest um, and seems to be driven and passionate about the things that you uh, you do touch. But what actually inspires you to keep going? What inspires me to keep going is it's God. I know that God is the reason that I'm alive and I'm still breathing. God has gotten me through every single thing, every single challenge I've, I've been through in my life. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for God. And I know that God has a purpose for me. And every single day, I work my butt off to show God that he made the right decision by keeping me here, giving me a purpose. And um, I, I just hope to inspire others to, to work hard in their lives and make a difference. And, and I think that the the most important thing that we can all do is support each other and help each other and give back to those that aren't as fortunate as we are. So what inspires me every day is waking up, showing God that I'm going to go out there, prove him right, help people give back and hopefully have fun along the way. Elliot Shaw, people, Elliot, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come on and talk to the people and inspire guys. People I've enjoyed um talking with you please do stay in touch man um 
I'll keep supporting what you're doing out there on IG and look forward to more videos. Thank you to Monica. Everybody follow Elliot at Elliot Shaw Official on Instagram. And you have a good night, my brother. All right? Jay, well, thank you so much for having me on. Definitely staying connected with you, man. I love this podcast. And um, God bless everyone. God bless. All right, Elliot. Yo, that was Elliot Shaw, man, a um, you know licensed finance professional as well as um, a martial artist and uh, has a hobby in music. A couple things I want to talk about coming out of that interview. First of all, if you enjoy that, uh, please do share it. Um, please like, subscribe, all those things. Tell somebody about the show. Thank you for the people, Rayma and Bridget. I saw y'all in the comments. Much love to y'all. A couple things I want to unpack that I took away from this interview. And the first thing is, in the first question or the first segment where he was talking, he talked about how you could do anything. And some people will tell you to only do one thing or only focus on this thing or whatever. And don't get me wrong. I think there's different personality types that have different capacity levels to be able to take on multiple things. But it resonated with me because I've always been a person where I have to do multiple things. I have to be doing you know, my interests are just broad. Like I'm always, you know, I love investing. I like reading about that. I, I like the Bible. I like faith. Um, I like music, you know, and so I'm, I've done fashion. I'm constantly doing things. But what I want to tell people out there um, as it relates to balancing, balancing it, if you have multiple interests, I do think there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. Let's first talk about the wrong way. And that is, if you're a person that have multiple interests, but you never commit to anything, uh, one of the toughest things to do when you're interested in multiple things for real is to figure out which one you're serious about. And so my advice to you, if you're a person that can't decide between going to school or working this job or starting this business or, you know, fold, folding the clothes or whatever is prioritize prioritizing is something that is strongly overlooked to me by most people. And that is that you literally first have to tell yourself, I can't do everything at the same time. So I have to be able to rank these things and call one of them more important than the other. And I'll give you an, a real life example of that I'll be transparent for me. You know, for, I don't know how many years, um, probably for 10 years straight, I would, I had always put out a music project. Music is something I literally love. At one point it was like, that was what I wanted to do. And I've always, um, created music and you can search J will music and, or type J will music and you'll see so many projects and so many songs. And the last few years, it was challenging for me when I had to reprioritize and decide that J Will music was not as important as inspire God's people. And the importance of prioritizing is had I not put, I believe in putting things in their place. So had I not put music in its place, then I would be always conflicted. So again, as a let's double click that and go into the next layer. So people would call me to book me for music events. And it came to a point a few years ago where I had to start saying no to things that I typically would say yes to. And the reason was because I had put music in its place as a second priority to this, I could no longer live it out as a number one priority. So when you prioritize things, it is challenging because sometimes you have to give up something or step back from something or sometimes it's people that you have to step back from or places that you got to step back from so that you can focus on the thing that is now the most important thing. So prioritizing is important. And then you need clarity of thought on when, when you call something the number one thing, like for me, inspire guys, people, this is very important. This podcast is more important to me putting out music or um, doing a, doing an event or something like that. It doesn't mean I don't do events. It just mean on the rank of priority, I don't do them before this is done. So for you, what does that mean for your life? That means that you may be a person struggling be, uh, between do I start this business or do I go to school? And that just means you need to sit down and prioritize and ask yourself for real. All right, go down each of those paths. 
if I go to school, it's going to take, you know, let's say three years to finish your degree, assuming you already, excuse me, been to school. So you, you're going to take three years to finish school. During those three years, you're not going to be able to do the business nine times out of 10. So that's where you prioritize. Or do I start the business first, get on my feet? Do I need a degree to do the business? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. And what we cannot do that a lot of us do is wing it. 2023 is the year that you need to stop winging it. Winging it hasn't gotten you anywhere. It hasn't made you money. It is, it's only made you confused. It hasn't expanded your network. You don't have stronger relationships by winging it. Maybe you haven't exerted as much energy. So you feel like, Hey, at least I'm not tired or worn out, but you're not where you're supposed to be because you're winging it. You need to plan in order to be in business. Even if you have a career, stop winging it. So many of us are winging it because we're lazy. And that's what's being exposed when you're a person that don't want to read, plan, strategize, don't want to brainstorm, sit down and have singular focus on figuring something out and then move on to the next thing. So, yes, it is very possible for you to be a jack of all trades like an Elliot. But I'm going to tell you something that I noticed from Elliot just from talking to him just now, just from following him on Instagram. Oh, he he's a licensed finance professional. I could tell that he puts in time and effort into that just from hearing him talk the the 72 rule, different videos that I saw from him. I'm like, this is somebody that is serious about finance. And then the same thing with jujitsu. Oh, he definitely looked like he will. He, he flipped like my man is out here. You know what I'm saying? He don't he not making up the moves. Now, me, I'm going to make up. I'm going to make up a karate move. Like if you if you walk up on me, like if you catch me slipping enough, we could definitely like, you know, what I'm saying we could fake it. You know, what I'm saying we could fake some karate, at least maybe to get some people up off me or scare them. But we don't really know it. And so what am I saying? You can't just wing it with certain things. Jiu-jitsu is not something you could just go and wing it. He said he had a trainer. He had someone who had already been experience to guide him along the way. Why am I telling you this? Because as a business professional, as an entrepreneur, as a person that wants to find your purpose, you are not going to be able to figure it out all on your own. There are going to be things where you have to listen to someone else. You have to trust someone else. And your life isn't going to change until you decide to change. I can create, this is episode 189, I think. Yeah, 189. I could create a thousand podcast episodes and have great content. But until you decide to use it for your life, it means nothing. And you know what frustrates me, y'all? I'm going to just be all the way real with y'all. What frustrates me is people will apply things that don't matter more than they before they apply things that matter. And it's like, we'll take useless information. I'm going to give you an example. Let's say... Uh, there's some trending topic in the world today on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Everybody talking about it. It could be a TV show. Everybody talking about it. They applying all this effort, all this energy just to share it, to argue about how good it was or how bad it was. And that TV show makes you no money. It gets you no closer to your purpose, gets you no closer to God. Literally a waste of time. But And it's not a problem that you watch the TV show. It's a problem that you prioritize the TV show over your purpose. And we have to learn how to reward ourselves with entertainment versus lead with entertainment. I believe in rewarding myself with entertainment. So I don't watch a bunch of TV. I don't like I don't I don't just allow myself to just sit around and be entertained until I have earned that entertainment. Meaning I've read the book, I've read the Bible, I've listen to the educational podcast. I've studied, I've planned, I've strategized, I've checked, uh, knocked out my to-do list for today. You got to discipline yourself. So um, hopefully you've enjoyed today's podcast. I have enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to Elliot and kicking it with y'all after. Listen, this is Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Hopefully you are getting closer to your purpose with every single episode. Um, I get emails and things all the time. 
about people that started a business, people that went back to school, people that got a promotion on their job. That's why I do this show for those emails, for those people out there who are serious, like this is for you because I believe this content will get you where you need to be. Elliot said he asked God to let him know if he was supposed to be here. And then it started raining on his face. Man, like, whoo! Sometimes some rain is, that was some good rain. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing Elliot said that I wanted to touch on before we get out of here was, he said that so many of us look for miracles and signs and wonders to be the reason that we follow God. But sometimes it's the low points that lead us to God. I want to say to you right now, if you out there listening, if you are at a low point in your life, don't let a low point be a reason that you leave God. The Bible says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. That means draw closer to me, I'll draw closer to you. So just look at it as God is like a magnet. The closer that these two magnets come together, at some point they connect. And you want to be a magnet that is trying to get close to God so that you can feel that connection. Because as you are getting closer, he's coming closer. And don't let these the issues of life stop you from living in purpose. I know that it's tough. I know that you have been through some things. There are people out there that have been through things that I can't imagine. I'm not here to dismiss and tell you that whatever you're going through is not serious. Whatever you're going through is not painful or hurtful. Or whatever happened to you in the past isn't serious. What I'm telling you is that when Jesus went to the cross and died on that cross, it was so powerful that he can cover anything. Imagine having an issue in your life and telling God through your actions of not trusting him or following him that this situation is bigger than you. God, you don't understand. You dying on the cross can't cover this one. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It don't work like that, people. When Jesus died on that cross, I know there are some things you are holding on to yourself, holding, you're holding against yourself. There are things you've done that you can't forgive yourself for because you feel like this was too bad. This makes me this way. And I'm here to tell you, if you truly repent and turn away from your sins, and accept Jesus Christ as your savior. There is literally nothing that he can't save you from. Do you know how much that gives me peace? There is nothing that you have done that is more powerful than the cross. When Jesus went to that cross and died for our sins, that was power, life-changing power. And so many times we allow ourselves to walk through this life and through our actions, we say, yeah, God, I know you died for my sins, but this sin is too big for you to forgive me for. It don't work like that, people. You have purpose. And if you seek, ye will find. Ye shall find. Ye will find. I don't know. I feel like I was about to end it real good on a powerful note. And then I just kind of went sidebar and I got caught. It was the ye. Because I don't usually say ye. It was when I decided... You know how in your mind you're like, I'm going to go with this. And I went with the ye. And as I was seeing the ye, it was like, shall, will, seeking ye shall find or will. I Y'all just witnessed in real time confusion. A man that was confused about ye shall, ye will, J will. It always happened like that. When I thought I was about to end on this strong and powerful note and I was going to impress y'all and y'all were going to feel like, yeah, this is why I listen to this podcast because my man just be. It, it didn't work that way. And sometimes things don't work out exactly how you would want them to in life. I want y'all, I want to say this before we wrap up. Um, we talked about a lot today as it relates to finances. Finances is one of those things that I think we really need to seek God for direction on how to leverage and learn about finances. Don't allow yourself to be led by emotions when it comes to money. Start with the Bible. 
and start with truly reading within context so that you can understand how to balance it. Don't tell yourself, oh, like, okay, God want me to be rich or something. And then like people say that, I don't, I don't think everybody's going to be rich. Okay. It's not going to happen that way. But rich also ain't just the, the end all be all. Some of us act like if you ain't rich, you ain't living good. It's a whole bunch of levels of living good that comes before rich. It's a whole bunch of levels of living blessed that comes before rich. I know that everybody wants to be rich, but you don't have to be rich to be blessed. You don't have to be rich to learn how to be a good steward. If you are a good steward, faithful over a few, I'll make you ruler over many. But it starts with being faithful over that few. If you are faithful over a few, God will give you whatever expansion and increase you are supposed to have. The problem that we have in life is that we are not faithful over the few because our eyes are on the riches. I'm telling you today, get your eyes and your mind off being rich just for a second. Get your eyes and mind focused on being a good steward, faithful over the few. And then once you learn how to do that and build your character and God allows you to have some growth, then you'll be ready for the riches. I ain't saying you can't get rich without doing it. You can get rich doing it, you know, however you do it. But, you know, you want good money. You want, you want good money that God wants you to have and bless you with, not just money to be money. You know what I'm saying? So, look, man, I enjoyed y'all. Hopefully y'all enjoyed me. Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you said. When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read. You felt it deep in your soul. The promise did not expire. Be inspired. I can see beyond the tears you cry. And the pain you feel. I saw every hill you had to climb. Just to make